Hello and welcome to BSN Extra. I'm your host, Jason Barfield. We're talking basketball today. Chris Mudge is in studio. The Bearcats are off to a 2-0 start in Conference USA play. And Coach is going to sit down and talk to us about it right here on BSN Extra. Hey, Bearcat fans, it is basketball season. It is time to get your tickets to see the Bearcats in their first season of Conference USA. Be sure and log on to your Go Bearcats account and get your season tickets today, or you can call the athletic ticket office at 936-294-1729. Eat them up, cats. And welcome back to BSN Extra. Jason Barfield here, and I'm now joined by Chris Mudge, head coach of the first place Sam Houston Bearcats. 2-0 in the league, two home games. Just kind of start with, um, you know, the start that you guys have gotten off to in Conference USA play and kind of what you're seeing from the guys. You know, you look at the start of our schedule, and we got to play the top four teams in the preseason poll. And uh, it was great to get two at home. And obviously start off with the home crowd and home energy. And I think that really helped us. And this team just needed a little bit of success. We had such a tough schedule, which we talked about in the non-conference. And it's helped us get better to win those kind of games. Because both games were touch and go. Give up runs, go on runs, normal basketball stuff. But in some of our non-conference games, we had those same games. And we let a team extend a run. And, you know, Texas State and Utah Valley were two of the big ones. And we learned from those and were able to tighten up and do some things better to win two really tough Conference USA games, two teams that are in mid-major polls ranked everywhere and very well coached, very tough. And so I was just proud of our team's ability to uh, stop runs. And it really shows that they're coming together as a group and they're starting to really push each other and before each other and support each other and buy into that side of things. And it shows up every day in practice. I mean, everybody gets to see the very public game aspect of it. They get to see what we look like in those 40 minutes in, in between the lines. But this team has taken the winning habits in practice and, and outside of practice and in the weight room and with nutritionists, all those things started to take those really seriously a couple of weeks ago and really understood what it takes. And not that they weren't practicing hard before or doing those things before, they just took it to another level. And that speaks to the leadership we have in the team and what they've been able to accomplish. And so it's been fun to see them start to have some success with it uh, because it's validating what they've done. In the non-conference, gosh, they would work really hard and then go play you know, an exceptionally good team and have some success in it and some non-successful stretches and and it, it makes it harder sometimes just to keep going. So this team has just kept going, and you can kind of see that they're starting to get a rhythm. They're starting to get used to playing together, and they're starting to get used to some of the things that we changed. And some of their confusion late in non-conference was my fault, um, that I changed some things on both sides of the ball to help us long-term, and I think it's going to be really good for us. But in the short term, you know, there were times we looked out there where we're, we didn't know what we were doing because of me not because of them and uh, we're starting to learn those things we're getting to play and have experience in in some of those adjustments and so they're starting to feel comfortable they're starting to look comfortable and playing really well for each other and with each other and and I was just proud of seeing that I mean obviously the execution all those things we could talk about but uh they they were having fun and they were doing it together in those two games you know 
in some interviews that you've done, you've been critical of yourself in the scheduling and saying, you know, maybe you put a little too much in front of them. But at the same time, when you look at the way it's played out, you know, ideally, if you're going to blueprint this and map it out, you want to put your team into some situations and see how they handle it. The non-conference, you put them into some situations on the road, put some tests, and they didn't handle it. The question is, as a coach then, is can you make the adjustments? Can you learn from that? Because ultimately, it's when you get to conference play, have you learned anything from November and December? And I think when you look at these first two games, both Louisiana Tech and with Western Kentucky, you faced a a little bit of a run. You got punched in the mouth a little bit. You had a comfortable lead throughout the game that you lost late. And they responded. And so while, yes, you could sit here and say, you know, I may have done some things scheduling-wise that I wouldn't have done, at the same time, these first two conference games, I think you can look at it and say, job done. For sure. It When we were going through those things, I kept telling our guys, like, we can use this for our development or our detriment. You know, we can make us worse because we get down or not believe or not fight through it. Or we can use it to learn and get better like you talked about. And a testament to our guys is that they have used it to be able to handle those situations better. And in both games, we'd give up some runs, which is going to happen against really good teams. And like you said, we responded well. And that's a a word we used a lot in the locker room uh, was how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? What are you going to do about it? And this team has found ways to respond positively And that's been really fun to see. And we're going to need it more because it's only going to get harder. Every game is the hardest game of the year. And it's only going to get harder, especially because we've won two really good home games. And I don't think any of our two opponents took us lightly, but there will be nobody that does. Um, And they know that we have talent and that we're tough and we're going to play hard and they're going to be ready to play. And so we're going to have to continue to develop. And I think the non-conference schedule is paying some dividends. It's obviously a difficult balance between having success and um, getting guys comfortable and bought in, in addition to putting them in some adverse situations and then fighting through those. And that's one thing this team has done a great job of, and I'm really proud of them and the leadership within the team, of fighting through those situations because they can divide a team very easily. They can get guys doing their own thing. They can make guys not believe. They can uh, do a lot of things negative but they've really stuck together uh, through a, a tough non-conference. And if you look at our non-conference teams, they're making us look really good right now. I mean, Ole Miss is top 25. Um, Arizona State, I think the last time I looked, was undefeated in Pac-12 play and had been playing really, really well. Um, Texas Tech is obviously very good. They'll be ranked this week. And then even our uh, other teams, we put our mid-major teams. Troy is undefeated in, uh, in Sunbelt play. And uh, Missouri State's had a really good year. You could go down the line about the really good teams that we played. And it sort of just validates a little bit of, hey, they were good, but we want to play on that level, and so we have to do it like this. And so we're starting to do that. I think if we played some of those teams now, we might be able to play a little differently, but we wouldn't be here without those. And so uh, the adversity has been really good for us because of the way we've responded. And I hope we continue to because we're going to handle – a lot more adversity. There's going to be a lot. We are two games into a 16-game schedule of a very good basketball league. We're going to get adversity when we play on the road at Middle Tennessee, who's a very good team that's very well coached, athletic, going to be in a hostile environment. We're going to have to play even better than we did against Western Kentucky, and we're going to have to keep doing that going forward. When you look at the Louisiana Tech win, obviously one of the big boosts 
to the team was you got Lamar Wilkerson back. He had been out two games dealing with a wrist injury. Maybe not, you know, two-week layoff, two-plus-week layoff. You know, you don't know what you're going to expect. What did you see from him to be able to respond and come out and have the kind of game that he had, 24 points to lead the team? I mean, Lamar is tough and a gamer and a winner, and he knows what it takes. And I I expected exactly something like that. Now, 24 was phenomenal, but his the moment he came back, his energy that he brought back to the team was was phenomenal. And it's contagious because he loves to play basketball. He loves to win, and he makes everybody around him better. And we have multiple guys on our team that are like that, and I appreciate that about them. But in that game, it was just fun to see his his joy to play and his juice and his energy and and how it helped us, it willed us to victory late in that game. And so it was, uh, you know, having him on that two-week off or two-game off or whatever, um, you know, we had some guys step up and do some really good things. But obviously it's great to have great players back. And then, you know, kind of the, along the same lines, he kind of struggled a little bit against Western Kentucky. Only three points in the first half. Just talk to me about the confidence level that you have in him to know that even though the shots aren't falling, it's not going as well. I mean, he had a bad-looking hairball. And, you know, and just to know that the final 20 minutes, you're going to be able to get a response from him. 18 points, huge three down the stretch, a couple of huge threes down the stretch from him. To know that he has the ability to put those 20 minutes aside, clear his head, and come back out and be a huge part of the victory. I think that speaks a lot to his maturity and growth that he's had over the last year or so, because there would be times last year where maybe he would let the first half affect him and it would carry over to the second half. But everything we've seen this year and we've seen how he's grown and his leadership and his toughness and his mental toughness, he fights through adversity so much better. And, you know, more importantly than it helped us win a game, I mean, it's going to make him a successful man. He's going to be successful in life because he's going to be able to fight through things. And that's really fun to see. But I trust him and I trust, I mean, a lot of our guys because they've done it. A guy like J.D. Ray put the ball in his hand in the last part of a game because I trust him and I know he can do it. I've seen him do it. I've seen Lamar do it. I've seen J.D. do it. I've seen a lot of our guys do it and do it on a big stage with a lot of pressure. And I knew Lamar would step up. I didn't think that he'd have another bad half. Like We're going to keep rocking with him because he's one of our guys and we know what he's made of. You mentioned Jaden Ray. J.D. had a huge game for you guys last night. You know, I was on the broadcast, and one of the things we were talking about pregame and, you know, in the buildup was, you know, their ability, Western Kentucky's ability to rebound the ball. They're one of the top rebounding teams in the country, and they've got size and they've got length. And, you know, how that was potentially going to give not just you, but anybody they play all year long fits because of their ability to go get the ball. Not only – did y'all out-rebound them? J.D. had seven. He led all rebounders with seven. Five foot ten, <laughs> Jaden Ray, against one of the top rebounding teams in the country, led all rebounders with seven. Well, and it shows a lot of his heart and that he's a winner. And he can affect the game in so many ways. I think he had eight points, seven assists, seven rebounds. And even in addition to that, he just – Changes the game on both sides of the floor. And, and the, the huge contest on their the final shot from McHenry. Played great defense. And the, having a trust in a guy like J.D. on both sides of the ball, it makes coaching so much easier. You know, last play, I've seen him hit that shot he did against Abilene last year. He's hit other game winners or big clutch game shots. We've seen it. 
And then defensively, we know on the other end, he's going to go in and make it really difficult. We're not going to get a stop every time. But he made a very good score, take a difficult shot. And he happened to miss it, and we happened to get a great rebound. And uh, that's just what J.D. is as a, as a man, as a human, as a teammate, as a player. And we know we're going to get that every single night. And so that, out of your point guard especially, makes coaching and the team and everybody else so much better. And then on the rebounding front, I was really proud of, I mean, our forwards were phenomenal in very physical, in a very physical game. I mean, they, they let us play on both sides. You know, they were, the rest were not too involved on, on either side. And both teams were our physical tough teams. And in the rebounding, I mean, I went and watched the game this morning. I mean, it was a dogfight down there. And we had some guys battling and physical and being tough. And so guys like Sue and Kean and Cam and Damon and Owen, those guys, they may not have got a lot of rebounds, but they limited some very good rebounders from Western Kentucky who are used to getting six, eight, ten rebounds, you know, held them under their average. And that was, a, as you said, a huge change in the game because rebounding, they're one of the best in the country. And then transition defense, they're one of the best in the country. And we did a pretty good job in both of those to limit some really good players. And then our guards benefited from that. JD came in and got seven. Marcus Boykin came in and got some big ones late. And that was a, a huge key in the game that we tilted in our favor this time. So the last play, JD's game winner, um, obviously the play was dribble down the clock, you know, look for an option there. I asked him after the game, I said, so, you know, be serious. Was that, was that always going to be you? And he was like, no, I had, you know, there's a lot of options on that play and there's a lot of different things I can do with it. And I go, but it was always you, right? And he goes, yeah, it was always me. Uh, just talk, you talk, tell me about that play. Tell me what, what y'all were looking to get there and ultimately what you got. I mean, when it comes to late in games, players have to make plays. And so I just wanted to put our guys in space and playing towards their strengths in an area that's difficult to guard. And anything middle of the floor is hard to guard, especially with a guy as quick and as, uh, and as fast as JD is. And so we put uh, an elite shooter coming in and ghosting a screen that, you know, David Barnes is averaging 14-something a game. Very good player who can really shoot it from three, so they have to account for that. You got on the, the weak side kick, you got Lamar Wilkerson who had 20 points and is a 40% three-point shooter, very good player. You got another shooter, Marcus, who's shooting the ball very well in the corner. You got Kean who's getting – so spacing was a big key in that and wanting to give guys space to make plays and use the skills that they have. And we're lucky to have multiple weapons – and there are times as a coach where you just got to get out of the way. And I think that um, I'm continuing to learn that and continuing to learn the right ways to do it. And late in the game, it was, uh, we didn't call a lot of plays. Uh, we called a lot of things to let them, let them continue to play good basketball. And they're, they're really learning that. And uh, I have full trust in JD to make the right read in all those options because it moves really fast. And there's a lot of reads that have to happen. There's a lot of things that got to go on. And it can be a tenth of a second decision, and JD can make all those. Well, and it, and it's funny because y'all actually ended the first half with the exact same situation. It was him with the ball, letting the clock run down, and then run one final play. And the end of the first half, he drove, and then he found Kean on the baseline, wide open, and Kean throws down the dunk to be able to finish off the first half. So you know, in the back of I'm sure Western Kentucky's mind is. They know that that ability is there. They've got to defend against that, 
and then he takes it himself to finish it off. Absolutely, and that's where his reads and his IQ come into play is being able to read that Howard, their big guy, uh, was a half second later rotating because he was probably worried about the dump down because he gave it up and probably got um, some coaching at halftime on not to do that again. And so being able to make that read is not easy. It's difficult and takes a lot of time and experience. And, and he, like normal, made the right decision. And we made a lot of those down the stretch, even though we, you know, like late defensively, we gave up some threes and some things like that. Um, mostly it wasn't off the wrong decision. It was off of a really good play by them. And then offensively, we made some great plays back of playing good basketball, sharing the ball, and creating really good shots. You talked a little bit about Boykin earlier, but, you know, I do want to touch a little more on him. I thought, you know, just seeing his growth from the beginning of the year to the type of player he is now. And J.D. picked up a couple fouls in the first half, and y'all had to go to Marcus. And he came in. I thought he gave y'all – a huge boost there in the first half. I think he really sparked that run that you guys went on. I think at one point it was like 16 to two run and he was a big part of that. Talk a little bit about just what you saw from him tonight last night and as well, just the growth that you've seen in Marcus. Marcus just keeps getting better. And I'm so proud of him because he has bought in to what it takes to be as good as he can be. And he's still scratching the surface. He has so much talent and he has bought into the culture of working hard and doing the extra stuff. And he's starting to see the, some of the success of it because he has so much talent. And he brings us some things that we didn't have before. And in doing so, it's taken our team to another level because of the depth that we have. And he's adding to that. And we know that we have another spark we can go to. And playing those guys together has been really good as well. And so I'm proud of him just because he's worked for it. And a lot of the guys that are having the success right now deserve it because they've worked hard for it. And some of that is with Marcus being around these other guys that know what it takes in their gym rats and their workers, and they know what it takes every day. And they've been a big help in helping Marcus get there also. And so um, he is just getting going into how good he can be but he's definitely helped our team quite a bit in, in just getting better and, and bringing his talent to the table and understand where it fits within the, within the team. When you look at, you know, the progression that he's made and, you know, you assess him when you first see him here, when he gets on campus and stuff like that, what's the biggest thing that he had to adjust to to be able to play at this level? He had to adjust to the same thing most new guys do. It's just how hard every day is. And being able to fight through and practice hard for an entire practice, go to the weight room and do it hard, go to study hall, do it hard, go to the training room and do it hard, and then be able to do that every single day, be focused for every shoot around, be focused for every film session. And uh, he's not unique in that that is something that guys that come in have to learn. And not that we do anything better or different than anybody, but we do it that way here, and it's been successful. And it just takes time. So many new guys, transfers, high school kids, whatever it is, it takes them at least a semester. And about that semester time, it just kind of starts to click. And I don't know if some of it is, um, you know, when school lets out, their, their brain and body can kind of recover. If the Christmas break just gives everybody a little bit of a, a breather, or if it just takes time for it to set in, Different guys come in on a different learning curve, and it takes guys different time. But about a semester is about the quickest. You know, a guy like Davin 
is an anomaly and how quickly he adjusted. And he's continuing to still adjust and learn and get better. I mean, you see him get better all the time. And uh, you could tell when it was starting to click with Marcus. And when Marcus got here, I mean, the very first week, I told my wife, I remember telling her, I was like, Mark's going to be a really good player. It was, he's going to be really good for us. And then early on, she's like, I think you're crazy. And I was like, just wait, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And, and, uh, and he just has gotten better. And that's been kind of our mantra. And, you know, in, in every interview, I feel like I'm a broken record, but we've just talked about keep getting better. Just keep coming every day and doing what it takes to get better. And Marcus and some of the other guys have really bought into that. And they're starting to see some of the success and they're going to continue to need to do that because everybody else is going to continue to get better. And for us to win in Conference USA, Marcus needs to get better. David, I mean, everybody needs to get better. And, and for us to, you know, keep on our good streak. You know, you've talked about, you know, these guys, the learning curve and everything like that. Obviously, for you as a head coach, there's a learning curve and there's so many intricacies of, of the job that you just have to learn as you go. And I think in game, that that's true as well. It's when to take that time out at the right time, when to, you know, when to talk to a certain guy a certain way, you know, at what point in the game, when to get on the officials and when to decide to lay off and, you know, kind of poke a little bit and just say, hey, watch this and, and stuff like that. I thought last night's game you coached. I, I felt like that was the – I've seen you coaching in that one. And, you know, you talked about how there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that was called down the stretch. That you, But I really felt like that was the first time that you really got in. You, I mean, there was a one stretch in the second half – I think we'd thrown the ball away a couple of times. It got a little sloppy. You called a timeout just to kind of reset, resettle some things. The the timeouts down the stretch in the final two minutes, you know, when you had some 30s to use and, and stuff like that. Do you feel like that's something that game by game for you, you're seeing instances where you're like, maybe maybe there was a game in December where you were like, God, I should have really taken a timeout at that point and just settled things down a little bit and now starting to translate that over as well. I certainly feel like I'm learning a lot every day and I know I have so much more to learn, but like you said, there's so many things that until you're actually doing it, you can't prepare for it. And there's no way to do it. Even as an assistant coach who might be heavily involved, it's just different. And so, uh, early on, I do feel like I was doing some immature things in terms of the way I was maybe handling a certain situation. Like, Oh, I should have done this or I should have done that to stop a run, or maybe this play call wasn't great. And there's nobody that's harder on me than me, um, regardless of what Twitter or whoever else thinks. It's, it's uh, after every game, I evaluate myself, after every practice, after every shoot around and film. Like, did I say the right thing? Did I motivate the right way? Did I lead the right way? And I feel like I'm uh, a little bit finding my personality as well. And... You know, I've, I've worked with and for some phenomenal coaches. And I've known from the beginning that I'm not them. I'm individually. And the advice I got from everybody when I got the job, number one piece, be yourself. It's, easy, it, it's easier said than done as you're figuring out who yourself is as a coach. And um, I've started early on. I, I'll be honest, I was, I was doing too much. And uh, I had to start... Uh, trusting and listening a little more to the guys. Listening may not be the right word, but uh, reading their reactions a little better. And I think a little bit is at one point I started to maybe understand our team and what 
motivates them and what buttons and what makes them practice well and where they like to be comfortable. And uh, I think that I've done a better job the last two games of helping them to be comfortable, which is the most important thing, is getting them to play their best. And that's all I care about. I think about it 24 hours a day is how can I help this guy? How can I help that guy? How can I help my staff improve? Because I have a phenomenal staff as well that has helped me through a lot of this. And um, it has helped me get to a place where uh, I think that I'm getting better at coaching our team, like you talked about, and able to use some of my strengths with some adjustments and with you know, play calling and rotations and things like that, that I think uh, I'm pretty good at because started to learn to handle the other things well. But uh, I'm going to continue to make a lot of mistakes. I made several last night. And, you know, there's times where, um, you know, I look over at the bench and it's like, why were you looking over at the bench saying something? I was like, well, I was mad at myself and I was telling the assistants that I made a bad play call or I did this bad or I shouldn't have made that adjustment. And, and it, is, uh, it is a very steep learning curve that I'm lucky that our guys have continued to let me coach them and continued to respond and uh, just trying to keep getting better. You know, that mantra doesn't just go for our guys. Mantra goes for me. Mantra goes for our staff. I mean, everybody top to bottom needs to just keep getting better. And I spend a lot of time every day just trying to be a better coach, you know, be a better offensive coach, defensive coach, be a better people coach, be a better motivator, um, make sure that I'm handling my facial expressions, my demonstrativeness, you know, that needs to be very calculated. There's times with a referee where you need to um, be a little more animated to get your point across. And there's times, like you said, you put your arm around them and you ask, hey, what did you see there? And um, it's easy to say on the outside, even for myself, but when you're in the heat of the moment, being able to do it effectively is uh, something that I will continue to learn and hopefully we'll just keep getting better at because our guys are responding the right way right now. And it's going to change every day. I mean, tomorrow is a new day. Today is a new day. We need to keep finding what puts them in the best situation to win. And part of that is how I handle myself. So the social media that's in your head is way more harsh than the social media in your hand, huh? Uh, I've gotten a couple emails that haven't been the nicest, and, uh, and that's okay. You know, I love our passionate fans that want us to be good. and But there is... Nobody that is worse or harder than uh, than me on myself, and um, sometimes that can be a a difficult thing. Um, I mean, after the Texas Tech game, I felt like I did not help our guys enough, and that's what I was most upset with was me and my ability to help them. And so, I spent a lot of time the next couple of days. Uh, reflecting not just on me, but how I can help them and what makes them go. And I think some of the things that have happened have been positive from that. So whatever, if you'd like to email me, I'd love to hear from every Bearcat fan because I appreciate all of your support, good and bad, uh, as we want as many people bought into us winning as possible. DMs are open. (laughs) So you talk about your demonstrativeness. I do want to talk about this. uh, It's something new that has developed over the last two games i'm a fan uh clearly i'm going to be digging for some more video to see what we can put together from a compilation standpoint but your uh your timeout call um you've done it twice now it's included uh some little hops skips i believe a pirouette last night um (laughs) it's developing and i like i like where this is going in a tight ball game down the stretch when you want to call a timeout you know i uh, have been offended 
by people who have said that the athleticism in our family just comes from my <laughs> wife. And so I'm trying to use any avenue to show people my athleticism and quickness. And last night, I think I got a triple jump in and covered the length of about 28 feet, which was pretty impressive. The first game, I think I hurt myself. I didn't stretch adequately. But we talk about getting better. My timeout calls need to continue to get better. And I'm excited to show you my repertoire Ooh. that I have oh. for uh, athletic demonstrative jumping timeout calls in the heat of the moment. Uh, this this feels like it's going to be a compilation video by the end of the year. And I'm excited <laughs> to start building this from the ground up. Um, you know, you talk about, though, on a serious note, um, how you've learned from the coaches that uh, that you've been under. And you've worked under some great coaches. Where has that come from? Who did you learn the uh, the timeout call from? Is that is that is that a Chris Mudge exclusive? Is that something you saw Rick Barnes do somewhere down the road? Is that I think Coach Hooten had a few animated uh, uh, timeout calls uh, trying to trying to get the timeout. So you know you take things from everybody and uh, just try to make it your own. And so I feel like that one last night was. Uh, a little bit of me, a little bit of Coach Hooten, and maybe, you know, a little bit of some Brian Boitano thrown in there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, so uh, you guys are getting ready to now head out on the road for the first time in league play. Um, what's the difference when playing on the road compared to, you know, having the two home games? You just have to be that much better because you're in a hostile environment. Your rhythm is different. You sleep in a hotel. You're not at home. Your shoot-around is different. Your practice is different. And... Um, on the road, just everything gets harder. You know, there's a reason that Vegas has a three to four point swing for home teams. And so we have to continue to be better. We have to play better than we did against Western Kentucky and La Tech to go win on the road at Middle Tennessee. And so our execution and our handling of runs has to continue to get better to be able to win two really tough road games coming up. And, and we just got to, you know, I'm not beating a dead horse. We just got to keep getting better uh, because we're not going to win those games if we don't improve over the next couple of days all right well coach appreciate you coming in and chatting off to a 2-0 start in league play now heading out to take on middle tennessee this weekend the game will be on espn plus if uh, anybody wants to tune in and watch you guys it's a lot of fun so i uh i certainly recommend it coach appreciate it appreciate it This week's episode is recorded in the all-new studios in the Wood Forest Bank Athletic Center. This episode was written and produced by Jason Barfield. All music is courtesy scottholmesmusic.com. This has been a presentation of the Bearcat Sports Network.